My God will make a way. Somebody say amen to that this morning. That's awesome. Good to see all of you. Good morning. Okay, come on now. Come on. It's the same for all of us. Good morning. I want to welcome all those folks joining us online. I have a suspicion we have a record crowd online. I hope you can find a seat wherever you are. We're glad you're with us, though, wherever you are this morning. If you're a guest, thanks especially for being with us today. My name's Chris Philbeck. I'm the senior pastor here at Mount Pleasant Christian Church. It's good to be back with you. Uh, after being gone a week last weekend, I was in Cuba, and I was preaching at a church in Old Havana. Now, that's something, that's a statement I never thought in my whole life I would ever make, and it was a great, great experience, uh, but I'm always glad to get back to my Mount Pleasant family. I watched Andrew's message online uh, on Tuesday evening when I was in the Atlanta airport. I thought he did a great job, but I'm glad to be back in the pulpit with you. Grab your Bible this morning and go to the book of Romans, and when you get to the book of Romans, find the 12th chapter and just hold that ready for uh, a little while because... I want to take a few minutes to talk to you about a couple of important things. Uh, the first one is uh, this One Life Commitment card that's in your bulletin this morning. We are deeply committed to our new strategy. We have four basic strategies for accomplishing the vision and the mission of our church. And the newest one is the strategy of sharing spiritual influence with others. And we do that through this One Life Initiative. We rolled this out to you last fall in a six-week sermon series. Uh, and uh, at the end of that, hundreds and hundreds of you made a personal commitment to the One Life Initiative. You took a card like this and uh, you had either already identified the name of your One Life, that, that's somebody in, that you know in your life that's a long way from God that you're committed to developing a friendship with so you can discover their story and then discern next steps about how you might share spiritual influence with them. A lot of you had already identified that person, so you wrote that name down. Uh, some of you had not, but you were committed to praying that God would lead you to that person, so you wrote your name down. Well, we've been praying over those. They're in our prayer wall just outside the worship center, but because we're so committed to this, we want to jumpstart this in the new year and renew our commitment. And so we're going to ask all of you, even if you've done this before, to uh, just do this One Life commitment card once again. Write the name of your One Life if you've already got them. The one thing that's different about this prayer card is there's a place where you can uh, share a specific prayer request about your One Life. Maybe you're already in the process of developing a friendship with that person and something's come up and you'd just like us to pray about that. We'll write that down there. And if you still haven't found your One Life, then please, please Continue to pray and, and uh, be purposeful about looking for somebody in your life that's a long way from God that you can share spiritual influence with. I want you to fill that card out today while you're here in church, and then when the service is over, there are some baskets outside the worship center that you can drop that card off in on your way out. The second thing I want to talk to you about is making 2019 the year uh, for many of you when you finally really get engaged in what's happening here at the church. Every article, every study I read about church today in the U.S. says the same thing, that church attendance in the U.S. is on decline today. And I believe that's true. In fact, we see that on some level here at Mount Pleasant. Our impact ministry numbers grow, our online campus numbers grow, but our on-campus numbers have just kind of stayed kind of stagnant, just steady for a while now. They haven't 
grown. They haven't gone backwards, but they haven't really moved forward. Now, I know a big reason for that is a lot of people just choose to stay home and watch church online uh, these days. But still, that is uh, a problem. And so there are two challenges that I can share to try to promote a greater level of engagement here at the church. The first one I've already mentioned, that's just be committed to the One Life Initiative. That's what we need. Listen, the more people we reach, the the more people we'll have in our church. It's just that simple. And you, through this One Life initiative, you are our outreach strategy. You are our evangelism plan for this part of the world that we live in. And so we need everyone to be deeply committed to the One Life initiative. Uh, The second challenge is uh, related to just making this the year when you get involved here at church on a level that you've not been involved in before. If you just attend church without really being involved or engaged, Uh, and you're just kind of like sitting on the sidelines, then it's easy for you to decide not to attend. But if you're engaged through connection, through service, through something like that, then being in church on the weekend is just what you do. It's just natural. So there are different things you can do. Like, for example, join a home group. That's what we call our small groups, home groups. Uh, And this next season or session for home groups is just about a week away. And so this is the perfect time to do that. You can learn more about home groups by logging onto our website or after the service is over out in the commons area. There's a big area there. It's got banners. You can't miss it where you can talk to somebody about being in a home group. We don't have nearly as many people involved in home groups as we should for a church our size. I don't know what the reason is for some of you, but make this year the year you put aside those excuses and you make that commitment. Now, maybe the problem is you don't want to just be randomly placed in a group of people that you don't know. And I understand that because let's be real for a moment. There are a lot of weird people in the world, right? Now, Sandy and I, we've been in the same home group for three or four years, and it was just a random group put together. We didn't know anybody in there, and it worked out great for us, but maybe you're worried that it wouldn't work out good for you. Well, if that's the case, then just look around the people that you know already in church that you have some relationship with who aren't connected in a home group, and just start a home group together. That's safe. Start a home group with people that you already know. You don't have to have some deep theological training to lead a home group. We can train you. It's not nearly as complicated as you might imagine that it is, but just do it. Just put the excuses aside and join a home group. You'll not regret that decision. There are other options. Uh, We've got a a men's study that's coming up for a month called Men's Reboot Study. It begins on January the 30th. We've always got women's Bible studies going on. We're always offering some way to be connected. Financial Peace University begins today, right now. Uh, the, The Monday night class begins tomorrow. Legacy Journey begins next Sunday. Those are ways you can get engaged and get involved uh, in the ministry at Mount Pleasant. You can sign up to serve. We always need people to serve. There are no shortage of opportunities to serve here. You can serve on a consistent basis, weekly, monthly, or quarterly. You can learn about that just by attending one of our Connection Point events. Or or you can just serve for special occasions. Uh, Night to Shine. Night to Shine is coming up. It's our fourth year to do that. Night to Shine, if you don't know, is a prom experience for people with special needs. This is our fourth year to do this. We'll have over 300 prom goers again this year, and we need hundreds and hundreds of volunteers to pull off Night to Shine. It's Friday, February the 8th. We still have lots of spaces for you to serve. You can serve by being a buddy, by being someone's companion, somebody with special needs, their companion for the evening. You can serve behind the scenes, in front of the scenes, in a variety of different ways. It'll be one of the greatest experiences of your life. Log on to the website and register to serve at Night to Shine. In April, we have our... uh, 
Change the World service opportunities. We've got Change the World service day at our impact sites. On Saturday, April the 6th, we'll be sending people to Impact Old Southside, Impact Fairfax, Impact Bethany uh, to serve uh, in a variety of different ways for that day. A week later, we have our annual Pack Away Hunger event across the street at the Community Life Center. That's April the 13th. We'll be needing about 2,000 volunteers to prepackage 400,000 plus meals to send to a mission partner. It's always a great experience. We got short-term mission trips happening all the time. We got a group of folks in Kenya right now on a mission trip, 13 of them. In March, we got a group of people that will be heading to the Dominican Republic to build a house for a family that with without a home. We got a group of people in March heading to Haiti for a medical mission trip to serve impoverished people there. Now, both of those trips are full, but I just mentioned them as examples of what we've got going all the time. Here's the bottom line. There are multiple ways to get engaged in the ministry of Mount Pleasant Christian Church. Join a home group, commit to serving. There's a lot of different ways. Here's what I've noticed as a pastor somebody who's been a pastor now for almost 40 years. In the past, when I was growing up and when I first began in ministry, it was somebody's weekly attendance at church that created their engagement in the church. But you know what? 40 years later, it's completely reversed. And it's someone's engagement in church that creates their weekly attendance in church. Now, I'll be honest with you today and tell you that I think that's backwards. I don't like that. But there's not a single thing I can do about it. And so I want to challenge you to make 2019 the year that you really get engaged in the ministry and the life of Mount Pleasant Christian Church so we can continue together to build a great church that has an undeniable impact for Christ, not just in this community, but around the world through our mission partners. All right. All right. That brings us to Romans chapter 12. If you got your Bibles open there, then go ahead and stand with me like we always do for the reading of the scripture. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. By the way, let me ask you a question. Can you see the water? dripping up here all around me? Okay. It's really cool, isn't it? Okay. They tell me that it's a leak, but honestly, I think it's just a ploy to keep me right here behind the podium. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. It's not a long passage of Scripture. Follow along as I read. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing. Everyone say renewing. Renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. All right, there it is. You can be seated. We always ask God's blessing on the reading and the hearing of His Word. I don't know about you, but the beginning of a new year has always been a time for evaluation for me because I... And somebody, I, I want to know that I'm making progress, that I'm moving straight ahead in my life toward the life that God has called me to. I have a lot of demands on my time. My schedule stays really, really busy. And if I were to be completely honest with you this morning, I would tell you that because of those demands and because of that business, there are times when I genuinely feel like all I'm doing is trying to survive my life. But that's not the way I want to live my life. I want to be able to look at my life, to take a break, to step back and look at my life objectively and see that God has been at work in my life. I want to be able to step back and look at my life and see the distance that there is between the person I used to be and the person that I am today. But, and this is very important, I need to do that first and foremost from God's perspective and not my own. If my life were just all about me, 
then I could evaluate and measure my life from a very selfish perspective. I could come to the beginning of a new year and I could look back and I could say, I improved my health or I saved this much money or I went on this vacation or these vacations. I bought a new car, a new boat, a new truck, a new house. I got a raise at work. I got a promotion at work. It would be all I, I, I. But my life is not about me, not as a Christian. And if you're a Christian, your life is not first and foremost about you. It hasn't been since the day you surrendered your heart to Christ. In Luke chapter 9 and verse 23, Jesus made this statement to the disciples. He said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Now, make no mistake, when Jesus used the words, take up his cross daily, he was saying, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to live the life that I call you to, then one of the things you have to be willing to do is die to yourself every single day. That's what he meant when he said, take up your cross daily. That what, that's what being a Christian and following Jesus is all about. And so when I evaluate my life, if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, when you evaluate your life, we need to do it first and foremost from God's perspective. Now, listen to me, friends. I'm not saying that there's not a place in our lives for other things, that there's not a place in our lives for personal pursuits. But I am saying this, listen close, not first place. Everybody follow? There's a place in our life for personal pursuits, but if you're a Christian, it's not first place. Christ has first place in your life. And in the beginning of this new year, if most of us were going to be genuinely honest, we would have to admit that it's the pursuit of our own desires, our own pleasures that oftentimes take first place in our lives. So this is an area where many of us need to grow. We need to experience spiritual growth. One of the most well-known places in the New Testament is 1 Corinthians chapter 13, where the Apostle Paul writes about love. And he does it in an incredible way. Just 13 chapters in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, where he writes about this. And it's a powerful, beautiful passage of Scripture. It's a very well-known passage of Scripture. It begins by talking about how empty life is and the pursuits of life are apart from love. He does that in the first three verses. Then in verses 4 through 7, he talks about what love is. He begins to describe love. And he talks about what it, what it is, what it isn't, what it does, what it doesn't do. And then you get to verses 8 through 10, and he talks about the permanency of love. And he talks about how other things pass away, but love remains. Then he gets to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, and this is what he writes. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Now, there's an obvious meaning for this verse in the overall context of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. But beyond that, there's also just this really simple, clear illustration of the importance of growth, growth in our lives. And as we stand at the beginning of a new year and we think about moving straight ahead in our lives towards the life that God has called us to, then we need to grow in our spiritual lives to the point where we put away childish things. And what I mean by that is we stop evaluating our lives from a purely selfish or self-serving perspective and we begin to evaluate our lives from God's perspective. That's what we need to do. And that's really what brings us to those verses in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Because there's 
One particular part of that brief passage that really strikes my heart this weekend, and it's in verse 2 where Paul writes about the importance of being transformed by the renewing of your mind. He said we need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And so as we think about in this new year moving straight ahead toward the life that God has called us to, then I think there are three specific ways where we need to make sure that we renew our minds. If you're someone who likes to take notes, write down next to number one, the first one. Uh, The first one is this. We need to renew our minds with regard to the way we see ourselves. That's number one. We need to renew our minds with with regard to the way we see ourselves. And here's what I mean. We need to make the commitment in the new year to see ourselves the same way that God sees us. When it comes to the way we see ourselves, we usually swing between two extremes. One extreme is we're down on ourselves all the time. I'm a loser. I'm worthless. I'm a failure and things like that. The other other extreme is we tend to think that we're better and we're smarter than everyone else. Wherever we are, we're better and we're smarter than everybody else in the room. But neither one of those extremes is correct. Neither one of those extremes is biblical. We find the right balance of how we view ourselves when we begin to see ourselves the way God sees us, and that's revealed to us very clearly, friends, in the pages of the Bible. In fact, let me just... Cut to the chase, make it real simple. In case there's any doubt in your mind this morning, here's how God sees you. Even though your life is marred by sin, and even though you've done things that you know are wrong, and you've done things in your life that you regret, you have great value to God because He loves you today and every day with an everlasting love. That's what the Bible says about you the way God feels about you. In fact, the Bible says that God values you so much that he rejoices over you with singing. Think about that for a moment. Look at these words from Zephaniah chapter 3 and verse 17. Now, you know what? Honestly, I've never really noticed this verse before. I've read the book of Zephaniah, but I don't know. I might have been brain dead while I was reading it. This never really stood out to me. But for some reason this week, this really captured my attention. Uh, the, the prophet says, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. We sing a song with those words. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. The sovereign God of the universe loves and values you so much that the Bible says he will rejoice over you with singing. Now, I really thought about that this week, and I tried to imagine in my mind what it looked like or what it might be like for the sovereign God of the universe who's omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent, omni-everything, to rejoice over me with singing. And the closest thing I could come to that was this. When our little granddaughter, Grace, our first grandchild was born, when she was four months old, her mom and dad, my son Andrew and his wife, Kara, moved with Grace from Dallas, Texas, here to Greenwood so he could go to work on our staff. And for about the first, I don't know, it was four to six months or so, they lived in our house while they were getting everything taken care of with selling their house in Texas and finding a new house to buy here. They lived in our basement. And I got to tell you, that was four or five of the greatest months of my life, having Grace living in my house when she was that age. It was nice to have Andrew and Kara there as well. But... (laughs) 
Having that little girl live in our house for those months was one of the greatest experiences of my life. In fact, I can remember it would be like Friday morning, which is my day off, or Saturday morning, and, and we would be up, we'd be down in the living area that was right there by the kitchen, and the door to the basement was right there, just waiting, waiting, waiting for that door to swing open, and there one of them is carrying Grace, this little four-month-old chubby little baby up the steps, and it was like, Grace is up, Grace is here. You know, it was just so exciting. And I'd be down on the floor playing with her. We'd be playing with princess dolls and princess castles. And I used to make up little songs that I would sing while we were praying together. I would take like the, the tune of a song from Sesame Seed and sing, Gracie, Gracie, you're the one. You make every day so fun. Gracie, Gracie, I'm so in love with you. And that's just the pure, unadulterated love and joy and blessing that I felt for and from that little girl was rejoicing over her with my singing. And God loves and values you and me so much that he does the very same thing with us. That's how God sees you. The bottom line is this. You matter so much to God that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, into the world to die on the cross for your sins. And God believes that you are worth that sacrifice. You know, the message of the gospel for you and for me and for everyone is not that we're terrible people. The message of the gospel is that no matter what's happened in your life, God loves you and believes in you and offers you a brand new life. That's why Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17 these words, therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. God loves us that much. Jesus didn't come into the world and die on the cross so that you and I would continue to live in defeat, so that you and I would continue to struggle with the same old challenges every year over and over again, so that you and I could keep trying to find a new and a better plan to do what we know we need to do only to fail over and over again. That's not the life that God created us for. That's not the life that God has for us. God created us to live happy, healthy, full, well-adjusted, meaningful, purposeful lives that are filled with satisfaction and filled with fulfillment. He created us with the potential to overcome whatever challenge came our way. So let me tell you something at the beginning of this new year. If you've got any voice in your head whispering any other message to you than that, than a message of how much God loves and values you, then don't listen because that's not the voice of God. Don't listen, not even for a second. And if we want to move straight ahead in this new year toward the life that God has called us to, then the first thing we need to do is renew our minds with, the, with regard to the way we see ourselves. We need to see ourselves the same way God does. There's a second thing. Right down next to number two. We need to renew our minds with regard to the way we see others. The way we see others. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this point, so let me get right to the point. Uh, most people in life tend to divide the world into two categories, us and them. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about, us and them. And honestly, this is something that a lot of Christians and a lot of churches are guilty of doing. Last week when Sandy and I were in Cuba, I spent some time with Pastor Pachi, who pastors the church there in Old Havana and who leads a church multiplying network there in Cuba. And I was 
asking him about Cuba. I was asking him about churches in Cuba. And he said, you know, surprisingly, Cuba is a very religious country. And there are a lot of churches in Cuba. In fact, there are a lot of large churches in Cuba, churches that here in the U.S. we would call megachurches. He said, but most of the churches in Cuba are very legalistic and very judgmental. And friends, that's the kind of thing that perpetuates this us and them viewpoint with regard to people, especially in church, us on the inside and them on the outside. And so this is a very critical area of life where we need to begin to view life from God's perspective. And we need to do that by seeing other people the same way God does. Here's what I've noticed as a pastor. And here's what I've noticed as a Christian, because this is sometimes true of me. I'm guilty of this more often than I like to admit. We can make the mistake at times of thinking that God's opinion of other people is the same opinion as ours. But that's not the case. Because God's opinion of other people is the same opinion that God has of us, no matter how different they may be from us, no matter how objectionable their behavior may be to us. God's opinion of every other person in the world is the exact same opinion that God has of you and the exact same opinion that God has of me. He loves you. He loves them. He sent Jesus to die on the cross for your sins. He sent Jesus to die on the cross for their sins. When it comes to sin, they don't get a free pass. Neither do you. When it comes to mercy, God makes it available to them just like God makes it available to you. And just like you were saved by God's grace and not a single thing you did or could ever do on your own, they have the opportunity to be saved by God's grace and not a single thing that they could ever do or have ever done on their own. No one is too far gone to be saved by God's grace. No one. And God has the same opinion about you as he does for a person living on the other side of the planet or the person that you run into in your life that is so incredibly different and even objectionable to you. And that, by the way, is the underlying theme of our One Life initiative, just this understanding that God loves and values everyone the same. I really believe that there's not a more significant thing that I could do in my life in this new year. And there's not a more significant thing that you could do in your life in this new year than to make the commitment, genuinely make the commitment to pursue developing a friendship with somebody who is a long way from God, maybe somebody who is very, very different from you. What better thing could any of us do in this new year? Now, that friendship might take a while to develop, and it might take a while uh, to, to, to go to the next step and begin to discover their story, and it might take another uh, while to get to the place where you can discern next steps about how you can share spiritual influence with them. But when you begin to look at people the way God does, your life will change dramatically because no one is too far gone to be saved by God's grace. Remember that verse from, Roman, or from 2 Corinthians 5, 17? Paul said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. I love the word new in that verse there. This won't be on the PowerPoint, but in the original language of the New Testament, that's the Greek word kainos. 
And it's, it's, it's different because it's not new in the sense of time. Or in other words, <clears throat> it's not new in the sense of uh, this has just been created, brand new, right, off of the, uh, right out of the factory. You're the first eyes to see it, the first hands to hold it. Not new in the sense of time. It's a word that means new in the sense of quality. You know, no matter how badly I might want to, I'm never going to be able to go back in time and relive my life from a period where I would like to do things different so I wouldn't have the regrets. I would avoid the mistakes and wouldn't live with the regrets I have from the past. No matter how badly you might want to do that, you're never going to be able to do that. We can't go back in time. Time is the one thing that when it's gone, we'll never get back again. But the promise of the Scripture is wherever you are in the time period of your life, God has the ability to make your life brand new in quality. You don't have to be who you were any longer. You don't have to walk the road you were walking any longer. You don't have the destiny that you once had any longer because your life has been made brand new in quality. Brand new in quality. No one, and that's a promise for everyone, no one is too far gone to be saved by God's grace. We need to change, we need to renew our minds by changing the way we see others. Let me give you one last way real quickly we need to renew our minds. Number one, by changing the way we see ourselves. Number two, by changing the way we see others. Number three, changing the way we see our circumstances. And my point here is very simple. We renew our minds when we choose to see the different circumstances of our lives the way God does. And the way God sees the different circumstances of our lives is as opportunities. We need to see the different circumstances of our lives as opportunities. And I'm talking about opportunities for God, opportunities for God to show up, opportunities for our faith to be stretched, opportunities for us to have the, more, the most powerful witness to the reality of our faith that we've ever had, our faith in a God who is always good even when the circumstances of our lives are not good, God is still always good. How many of you believe that's true in 2019? Now that's hard. That's hard. It's hard to have absolute faith and trust in a God that we say is always good when our circumstances are not good. But this is the kind of growth that we pursue as believers. And this is a part of seeing the different circumstances of our, stances of our life as opportunity. The title for this New Year's message is Straight Ahead because you know what? It's impossible for us to move straight ahead in our lives to the life that God has called us to if we believe that life is just a random chaotic mess and that God either doesn't care about what's happening in our lives or God is powerless to do anything about what's happening in our lives or He's powerless to do anything with what's happening in our lives. We might look at our circumstances and think that they're impossible. We might think that they're helpless. We might think that they're meaningless, but that's never the case. That's not what the Bible teaches us. In verses like Matthew 19, 26, where Jesus says, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Or Romans 8, 28, where Paul writes and says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. Or in James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, where James writes, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And I could go on and on and on. 
We need to renew our minds with regard to the way we see our circumstances and begin to see our circumstances the way God does, and God sees them as opportunities. God looks at the worst circumstance in your life and mine, and he sees it as an opportunity, an opportunity for his power to be on display, an opportunity for our faith to be a powerful witness, an opportunity in many ways. You remember the story of the man that was born blind? In John chapter 9, and we've talked about this before, and Jesus and the disciples walked by one day, and the disciples said, Rabbi, who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind? And Jesus gave them a surprising response. He said, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this man was born blind. Basically, he said, so that the power of God could be on display in his life. The worst circumstance of his life was an opportunity for God. We need to renew our minds by seeing our circumstances the way God does as opportunities for God to show up. Well, I could go on, but I'm going to stop right there. Brian, you come on out. We'll, get, we'll bring this to a close. Listen, friends, we move straight ahead in our lives toward the life that God has called us to when we look at our life and we look at life itself from God's perspective we begin to see ourselves the way God sees us. He loves and values us. He rejoices over us with singing. He sacrificed everything for us. When we begin to see others the same way that God sees them, God cares about other people the exact same way that he cares about you. His opinion of other people is the exact same opinion that he has about you. We need to remember that. And when we begin to see our circumstances the way God sees them as opportunities for him to show up, that's what we need to do in this new year to move straight ahead toward the life that God has called us to.